Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi there, I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you along here on our program of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio for this Monday in the third week of Lent, March 8th, and hope you are progressing well on your Lenten journey as we're looking towards Holy Week towards the end of this month. Uh, As we get started here, is there something that people do that really gets under your skin, something that really annoys you? Maybe not in some really large or huge way. But whenever it does happen, you just find yourself maybe rolling your eyes or you groan inwardly. One of those things for me is when I end up getting stuck behind a slow-moving car. And I can be such an impatient driver. I'm one of those people who I would rather take the long way getting someplace, if the car can keep moving, than be stuck in place on the shorter route. Um, even if even if I would spend less time on the road and I'm stuck in traffic, I'd rather just keep on moving. Even if it's going to take me another three, five, ten minutes, wherever I'm going, just just keep me moving. And when I say getting stuck behind a slow car, most of the time that car, it's actually just going right at the speed limit. And it almost always seems to happen at the worst time. When I'm running short on time, when... I'm a few minutes late for wherever I'm trying to get to, wherever I need to be. There's no lane that I can pass the car. I'm stuck behind them. And they seem to be clairvoyant because they will make every turn anticipating the road I'm going to go on. They, they seem to just know exactly how my path is laid out to get to the place I need to go. Now, normally, if I'm in that situation, if there's not a car in front of me, I might be driving somewhere around 5, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. Uh, But that car in front of me, they stick right at that speed limit. They might even be just one mile an hour under the speed limit. And as we're driving, then another car comes up behind me and then another car and another car. We've got three or four deep and we're all just following behind. We're all just waiting. And it takes so much effort on my part not to creep up on the bumper of this car, not to tailgate them, even if the car behind me is doing exactly that same thing to me. And that slow car in front of me, they're doing absolutely nothing wrong. They're, they're actually probably helping me to not break the laws, the speed limit laws that are posted there on that road. And even more, When I might get to a place where there's a lane that I can finally break into and pass that car or I see them turn off, it's usually some sweet little old lady and she's probably on her way to or from daily mass or she's going to go visit a friend who's a shut-in or she's, she's probably doing some saintly activity. She's on her way there and I'm still the person behind. I'm annoyed. I'm impatient in my mind. I just keep on saying, oh, come on, let's go. 
Is that something you can relate to? It might be something else that is that kind of uh, moment for you that happens occasionally throughout your life. And what do you do in those moments of impatience or annoyance or frustration when that person is doing that? Do you give them the benefit of the doubt? For the person in front of me, you know, have they already had multiple speeding tickets and they know if they get pulled over and get another ticket, they might lose their license for a period of time? Or maybe they ended up uh, striking somebody while they were driving, while they were speeding at some point earlier in their life. And they have made a resolution. I will never put myself in a position where my speeding could cause any sort of injury to somebody. I could never put somebody's life in danger because of my speeding. There might be other circumstances that I just don't know. What if it's not a stranger like somebody on the road? What if it's a coworker or a family member? And every day or every time you're around them very regularly, they do some little thing And you find yourself getting quietly exasperated. Now, do you pray for that person? That's a a big question, right? Do you take that moment of exasperation, that that moment of annoyance, and pray for that person? Do you redirect your thoughts and say, in those moments, that person is someone for whom Jesus died on the cross? Do you think about how much God loves them, how he gave his only son so that they could have the hope of heaven, how God wants them to be a part of his family? If that's not your first reaction, well, you're in good company. It isn't mine, as you can probably guess, at least not when I'm stuck behind a slow-moving vehicle on the road. But today, we're going to talk about how we can take those little moments when someone might do some small thing that gets to us, how we can turn those into an opportunity for prayer how we can turn that into an opportunity for loving our neighbor, for growing in holiness. And even more than those moments when we find ourselves maybe in that challenging situation, we want to go even deeper into how we can approach the way we do everything, every task, every chore throughout our day, all of what we might call the drudgery of life, how we can turn those moments into opportunities to show God that we love him by loving those around us and how we approach, how we do those routine tasks in our day. Now, if this approach to spirituality sounds familiar, you probably know a little something about St. Therese of Lisieux and her little way. And so during this season of Lent especially, we we want to look at how she can give us insight on how we do these things for God in those small moments, those regular activities throughout our day. And St. Therese is going to be our guide here during this hour, and helping us look at St. Therese's little way is one of our regular spiritual directors here on The Inner Life, Father Gary Castor. He's a priest in the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois. He's the parochial vicar for St. Francis, St. Patrick, St. Columba, and for the local Latino Catholic community in Ottawa, Illinois. And he's the author of the book, The Little Way of Lent, Meditations in the Spirit of St. Therese of Lisieux. Father Gary Castor, welcome to The Inner Life, and so glad to have you here with us today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure uh, to be back with you. Well, well, again, not a long time, but also with the listeners as well. So thanks for the invitation. Yeah, and as we look at St. Therese today and her little way, if there's somebody who's listening and is not familiar with her, she she really is probably, I think, one of the most popular and beloved saints of our day. But if somebody is not familiar with her, can you just give us a little bit of background, tell us about her life and why people are, might be so drawn to her? 
Well, the first thing I would like to to say, and I think this should give hope to uh, to all of us, even all of us drivers that you have described, but but to all. Um, uh, believers, the the most important thing to to remember about her is that she was completely unremarkable. So she spent a very short amount of time in the convent. She entered at 15. She died at the age of 24. And uh, the sisters that she was in the convent with felt that she was pretty unremarkable, and that's one of the reasons she became famous. They they didn't know what they were going to say about her when she died. She she died of tuberculosis, and so. Her sister, her biological sister, who was the prioress, asked her to write her her spiritual autobiography, to write about her life, her relationship with Jesus, the her relationship in the family, how 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 she came to know um, the Lord, and and her approach to the Lord in terms of discipleship. And it was really because they didn't know what they were going to say about her. There wasn't really anything to say that they asked her to talk about herself and she wrote her basically her own obituary and when she died the the carmel that she was in and in um in France they sent this to the other carmels which was their practice and and the the other sisters in these other houses uh, in France and throughout the world they they were captivated by the way that she described her relationship with Christ and her of her vocation as a Carmelite nun. And it was really that which became this, this, in a sense, obituary, which became her autobiography, her spiritual autobiography, that that got so much attention. It grabbed people's attention. Initially, the nuns and the nuns shared it with people and, and, and people shared it. And uh, a lot of uh, uh, men fighting in World War I in France uh, in the French army were captivated by her approach to the spiritual life and, and the way that she saw God and God's action in a person's life. And, and that's really what made her so popular. By, by 1922, there were over 900 letters a day. You know, you got to think back, 1922, you know, uh, 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 over 900 letters a day were arriving um, at Rome talking about what what a spiritual um, powerhouse she was and, and, and the graces that were received in, in and through her intercession. So it was, it was quite, quite remarkable how, how quickly her her fame spread for somebody that her own community thought was kind of just an ordinary, unremarkable, you know, sister. Well, and she was part of a cloistered community. And as you're talking about her being somewhat unremarkable, at least to those who are living with her daily, you know, having the interactions with her, uh, just her interior life must have been so amazing then. Um, Even if she didn't talk about that, she had that ongoing conversion that was happening day in and day out, as she writes about in her autobiography. Yes, it was. It, it, and she spent a, a, a short amount of time as, a, as the director of novices, which she didn't feel herself to be well-suited. But um, and, and it was in that, in, in those years of trying to the new sisters, that she was able to sort of begin to communicate to them the way in which she understood living out her religious life and and it, and it and it was it was uh it was very significant to the to the novices and so so much so that that it, the spiritual autobiography was just that it's spiritual it wasn't just tell us the story of your life 
But because of the impact she had had in working with the sisters in formation, it, it really was about, well, tell us about the, the, the most important part of your, the Jesus part of your life and, and how your relationship with Jesus has formed you. And she was actually able, by working with them, to sort of give more thought and reflection to and to, and to communicate and verbalize her, her, her approach, her personal approach or interior approach to the spiritual life. And I, I, I think, I think because of, you know, those years and then, and then being asked to write about herself and her relationship with Christ or just discipleship and all of that, I think those years were, were really, you know, God was one step of, ahead and sort of preparing her to be able to actually put down in, 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 a, in a coherent and a sort of cohesive way, an explanation about, about how we are to form ourselves, our hearts, our lives in service of the Lord. So I think that's that, you know, not only touched the novices she worked with, but but in putting that in paper, I think it resonated with the other members of the Carmelite communities to whom the obituary was sent. And then certainly with the people that saw within what she shared uh, something they could adapt to their lives as, you know, as soldiers or as or as lay men and women who were who were really uh, struggling to understand um, Catholic spirituality in the you know the early part of the of the twentieth the the late the late nineteenth century and the early part of the twentieth century and and because of what she wrote it it really liberated people's hearts Jesus talks about lifting burdens to you know too heavy for people to carry and certainly there had been these spiritual burdens placed on people and it's like Saint Therese was a fulcrum that helped lift these off of people and she became she became exceedingly popular in an exceedingly short amount of time now speaking of a short amount of time too uh there's not much out there as far as writings other than her spiritual autobiography. And, and that the title of that book, if you're interested in reading it, if you haven't read it, it's called The Story of a Soul. And with just pretty much that spiritual autobiography, and you talked about 900 letters coming in to the Vatican every single day back in 1922 as uh, her autobiography started circulating and more and more people were reading it and becoming familiar with it. Um, she's actually the most uh, recent, not not to be declared, but at least uh, uh, in the timeline of the church, the most historically recent doctor that's been officially declared a doctor of the church um, in our in our time. Yeah, and, and they, you know, it's sad, but there was actually controversy over that St. John Paul II Tremendous devotion to her. Benedict XVI, tremendous devotion to her. Uh, Dorothy Day, tremendous devotion to her. Um, Hans Urs von Balthasar, great theologian of the 20th century, uh, great devotion to her. Mother Teresa of Calcutta took her name from her, St. Teresa of Calcutta. So, I mean, here, here this, I, I love saying this, you know, because so, so, so many of us can feel so unremarkable. You know, this, and she was described that way, this unremarkable young religious sister in a cloistered convent, great people who we think of as, as just great spiritual figures of our own time were captivated by her and inspired by her. And and John Paul II um, did declare her a doctor of the church, putting her in the company with Teresa of Avila and um, Hildegard of Bingen and, and Catherine of Siena, who had these great locutions and conversations with Jesus, her dialogues. And and, and really, the, 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 the basic 
you know, <laughs> manuscript of her life was explaining, you know, her childhood and uh, her little conversion moment uh, at Christmas when she was about 13 and being wanting to come into the Carmel and being accepted early and, you know, uh, really just telling her life story and in the midst of it, telling also about her love of Christ and, and the way in which she understood living relationship with Christ. And, and there was controversy. There were a lot of theologians, some in America, especially who didn't think that it was warranted, who were did, did disagreed with St. John Paul II and having her declared a doctor of the church. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's this what I find so beautifully fascinating about her is that this this approach that she took, which is commonly called or referred to as the little way of spiritual childhood, um, it, it it can seem so simple to the learned that it's not really worth note, <laughs> especially not the notoriety of being a doctor of the church, and yet hundreds of millions of people, I would say hundreds of millions of people have found in 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 this approach to to spirituality the interior life the the absolute way uh into a deeper experience of a relationship with god and and i i think that's a testimony to to the 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 breadth of of what she's writing about i mean to to the to the really learned it can look like not so much but to those who don't have doctorates in theology people throughout the world average men and women trying to live their life as faithful catholic um and followers of jesus there's so there's 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 so much to it and um i think that's that's a fascinating um fa- as, uh, aspect of of her life that it continues to be a fascinating aspect of her life our spiritual director today is Father Gary Castor, a priest in the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois. And we're talking about St. Therese of Lisieux and the Little Way. And we're going to look more closely at what that Little Way is in just a moment. Uh, we need to take a short break from the program right now. But how has St. Therese inspired you? What have you learned from her? How, how have you been able to put it in, into practice? And how has she inspired you to grow in holiness, even in small ways? Have you lived out the little way, and how has it made that difference in the relationships of those you encounter every day in your life? You can give us a call. We'd love to hear how St. Therese has has helped you in your spiritual journey of growing closer to Christ. The number to call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And I'm Josh Raymond, and we'll be back with more right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, and we're talking about 
famed Therese of Lisieux, and more specifically, her little way that she developed and how that can help us on our Lenten journey. And today we're talking with our spiritual director, Father Gary Castor, a priest in the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois, author of the book, The Little Way of Lent, Meditations in the Spirit of St. Therese of Lisieux. And you can join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And uh, as we continue our conversation here, Father, uh, let's let's look. We've kind of made some reference to the little way in the last segment as we were talking. But how could you summarize that for us? What Saint Therese puts forth in that spiritual autobiography, how she lived that out, how we can take that and live it out in our own lives. Well, the the first thing I would say is that it, it really began the little way to understand it's it's not a program. A lot of times people are looking for programs which which have their place in in um the spiritual life you know we we want to have a substantive spiritual life and so people are looking for programs uh, that might help with that but so the first thing what it isn't it is not a program it it really is based on an insight a personal insight that she had which led to the disposition by which she lived out her life and the and the insight that she had was that she she saw herself as as basically a child. She's 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 uh, you know just a girl, which she actually was. She was 15 when she entered the Carmel, and this this recognition that because she's she's a, a child, that she's not capable of doing really great you know tremendously great things. Even if she even though she had that desire in her heart, she she recognized the limitations that she had a, a, in terms of of who she was as a as a as a just a young a young french girl living in religious life and so the this recognition of her of her littleness which she speaks about often is 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 completely tied to the 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 fact that if i am this way then it's then it's god that's that's going to have to provide for for me all that I need in order to live out my my life and my relationship with him and my responsibilities to him since since he's a, a loving father and he wants to give all of his children good gifts uh, then if i if I maintain my my place as his child then then he's going to do all of this for me so so her her disposition was that because i i am who i am this this child of god this this who who does who's who's just little who's who who has imperfections and weaknesses and and uh and is fragile um aware of that then my trust and confidence is confidence is not ever going to be in myself but it's always going to be in the person of god and that that confidence is really the hallmark of of her little way because she doesn't see herself as capable of of sort of doing it by herself, you know, reaching the, the, the heights of sanctity, flying, soaring on eagle's wings by herself. She's confident that because she has this desire given to her by God, that God will take care of those things. And and her responsibility, therefore, is just to trust that he will and and to live out her life with with this loving confidence this trusting confidence and so if that means you know d- d- doing you know doing the laundry uh w- with somebody that splashes you know 
dirty, you know, cruddy water in her face. She's going to do the laundry if it means taking care of an infirm sister who's not very grateful that she has someone taking care of her, especially uh, St. Therese, then she's going she's gonna to take care of her. If, if it means being a sacristan and all the little duties assigned to being a sacristan, she's going to do all of those things. Uh, those little things as if as if they were great things because for her they were great things and 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 at the heart of the little way is this recognition that there is nothing that is that is insignificant if it is if it is done if it is done out of love for, for Christ so so it is, it is the love that we put into what we do that makes something uh something great it's not the act or the work itself it's the love that we put into it and i think this is why people were resonate with people because they found that i you know i don't have to travel uh, the globe and be a missionary i don't have to be to be martyred for the faith i i don't have to do something heroic like going into the slums of calcutta to to take care of the the poorest of the poor and the, the sick and the dying but i what i can do in the in the context of my life I, I can engage my life such as it is, the conditions and circumstances, with with love, with my love for Jesus, putting that into the things that are part of my unique responsibilities, that are a unique part of my life. And and I think that's what resonated with people. Um, all too often, we can look about and say, "Man, I wish I, I wish I could I, I was doing what they were doing. I wish I was, you know, I wish I had what appears to be their their closeness to God." And yet she's saying, "Well, first of all, we're we're all children of God. We can all we can all live a life of holiness, a life filled with the presence of God." Because we can all love God, and we love God within the conditions and circumstances of our lives. Every action that we do, making our bed, you know, taking out the trash, brushing our teeth, tying our shoes, you know, attending meetings that we don't want to attend because we're not meeting attenders, uh, sitting in, sitting in uh, behind somebody that is driving exactly the speed limit when maybe you know we're in the habit of going a, a, a little bit faster. We can do. Every single thing in the course of our day as an act of love to Christ, and that's what sanctifies in the end that that's what sanctifies us that's what helps us to grow in holiness and and in all the other ways in which our weaknesses need need to be strengthened and our and our 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 faults need to be corrected god God will take care of those things for us if we have trust and confidence and if we're living if we're Living to express our life as an act of love, and I think that still is what draws people to it. You know, sometimes young people say, "Well, really, I can brush, I can brush my teeth, and I can, I can show God that that I love Him by brushing my teeth." Well, absolutely, and you can make your bed, and you can do that as an act of love, and you can take out the trash and do your homework and be good to your brothers and sisters. You can do all these things as an act of love. You can, you can make every single aspect of your life becomes an opportunity to to make of it an offering, something pleasing to the Lord, simply simply as an expression of your love for Him and your and your gratitude for Him. So it, it sort of opens the door wide, as John Paul would say, open wide the door to Christ. Well, certainly in the context of one's life, if if I know that I, I'm doing, I can do everything out of love for Christ, then that completely opens wide the possibilities of my life in showing the Lord how much I love him. Mm. The one line you said there that really stood out to me is that nothing is insignificant if done for the love of Christ. And, uh, you know, as you're talking about the brushing your teeth, the taking out the garbage, the making the bed, being able to do those for love of Christ. uh, One of the things that I guess I come to then at that point is 
I'm just brushing my teeth. I'm going through that routine. How do I take that from a a mundane moment where, well, yeah, I I, I do this. I, I need to do it every single day. How do I take that little moment and then make it something where it is, I want to offer this as a loving gesture to my Savior? Well, I, for, for first you start by, you know, by consecrating. What do we do at Mass? We bring gifts, and we, and we make clear that these gifts are being brought to be given to the Father. So I'll give you an example from my own life. So I, I used to think, you know, that I still think that dental flossing is like the, the um, you know, flagella of the 21st century. <laughs> okay. you know, we don't need a way. And I never floss. I couldn't stand it. You know, my fingers would go numb. And anyway, I just... But, but some, someone told me, well, Father, you talk about, why didn't you just do it as an act of love for Christ? And I'm like, oh, man, there I, see, now I'm, you know, physician, heal yourself. So I had to. So I, the first time I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm doing this as an act of love for you because you know I hate it. And uh, so that's how you start. You, you, the intentionality is how you begin. Now, I floss, so I can't imagine not flossing now. I mean, if I forget it and I travel, I have to go immediately to a Walgreens and buy floss because it will just unsettle my whole day. Mm. Now, and I still, you know, I, I now instead of saying I'm doing this act of love, I mean, he knows it. Now I tell him, I, I can't believe that you did something good for me. I did something as an act for love for you. And now look, I'm, I'm doing something that's actually good for my health and well-being. So the Lord accepts our gift and in and, and accepting our gift, you know, he, he gives back, back to us. You know, something I never, I never would, I never did it for health reasons, although I should have, I never did. But now it, it has become a part of my life. And, and that's because I offered it to Christ. I, I didn't do it for a therapeutic value, but now there is a therapeutic value, I, and I, which I attribute all to Christ accepting the offering. And, and like I said, now I can't imagine not, not doing it. Um, I, I think we, we begin by consecrating these, these things intentionally, these, these little acts. And if they, if they become, you know, uh, habits that are beneficial and good for, for one's life, well, that, that's, that's, that's the work of God accepting our sacrifice. You know, if, if, if otherwise we would all do all the things that we should be doing and we should all, we would all be doing them rightly uh, all by ourselves. But the, the fact is none of us are. I mean, you mentioned driving. I mean, I used to think I was the best driver in the entire world and that, you know, everybody should go to the school of Father Gary Castor to learn how to drive correctly, especially people who don't use blinkers. They were a particular thorn in my side. But, you know, after after years of, of the same thing, telling telling the Lord, OK, I don't know these people. And, you know, a big deal. It's a blinker, you know, whatever, you know, get over yourself. And, you know, Lord, OK, I know I have to be patient. I have to be more patient. I have to be kind. I don't know their life situations, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, after years of, of intentionally, you know, consecrating my my time behind the wheel and and then and lifting other drivers that I would initially get frustrated with, you know, now I don't I, you know, the I somebody not using a blinker doesn't really bother me anymore. But but this this I think is is the the gift that that the Spirit gives back to us from Christ is that if we consecrate these these things and if they if they become habituated it, it's that's the power of God working in us and and that's that's what we're supposed to do you know all of our building a virtue is 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 making the right habit of of right. something you know being truthful means make I have the habit of telling the truth. So if, if, if this habit is built because it starts with the intentional desire to consecrate this action to, you know, to Jesus, 
if, if it ends up becoming becoming habituated in our life, I, all the credit goes to God. It was just, it was just, you know, some somebody said, "Hey, don't just don't just try to force yourself." Obviously, you you haven't been doing that by yourself. Give it to Christ and let Him take care of that. And and that really was the freedom that she found. You know, I that making the bed. I, I make my bed in a hotel room. My, my friends all tease me about this. You know. Uh, well, somebody comes in, somebody's going to, you know, make your bed for you. I, I cannot not make my bed. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, I, and, and I, and for me, it was the same thing with, as with her, because I've, she's been a friend of mine, the little flower St. Therese since the fourth grade. So for me, I mean, I didn't, you know, when I fell out of the, the, when I fell through the virtue tree, I missed every single branch. I did not hit one. I have no natural virtue whatsoever. The only hope for me is infused virtue. And when I discovered this, this approach to living the spiritual life, I was, I was all in because it, it was the only thing that I thought was, would, would, would give me the possibility of, you know, the Lord infusing some sort of virtue in my life since, since I was bereft of any whatsoever on a natural level. So I saw this and I'm like, okay, well I can, all right. I love Christ cause I do. And I have since I was nine. So, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this because I love him and I'm going to show him that right. I love him because this is what I'm going to do. And, and you know, that for, for me that became, it, 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 it opened my life to the possibility of, of, of really believing that, that I'm I'm in a lived relationship and 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 my life matters my my little you know, nothing life in, in terms of the grandiose and the extravagant really matters to Jesus and um uh I I love animals and I live in a place where there's lots of bald eagles and I love seeing them and every time I see one it's like a it's a moment of praise to to Christ and I thank him for letting me live in a place where I can see them and the, the white of their tail shining, different colors like aurora borealis. I mean, now some of the parishioners tease me about, oh, Father, did you see any bald eagles today? Because, you know, I do go on my bald eagle thing. But I think Jesus, you know, if we come to see that our life, our lives, and all the little, the little things in our lives are so significant to him. There's not one aspect of our life that isn't significant. That he actually takes delight in our life with us, and that's one thing that the little way I think really helps people to come to know and and, and to experience that. Man, Jesus takes so much delight in your life. The you know the the things that you delight in the, the the little place you go in the summer to get soft serve ice cream and you look forward to that night where you go. He takes delight in that, and and I think. I think if this is the the great service that she has brought to people um, since her death and continues to, is is knowing that this the the, the Lord's right there with you, taking delight in in every aspect of your life, and so every aspect of our lives can become a moment. We say at mass, lift up your hearts to the Lord. Well, well, you know, boy, at mass we should that should just become a special moment for us because yeah, I'm doing that. I just did that yesterday because I had to go to that meeting, that monthly meeting that I can't say, boy, was I lifting my heart up to the Lord. And, you, you know, then you come to Mass and you're like, yep, I did that. I just did that on Thursday, that meeting. That, ugh. But it's okay because I lifted it up to the Lord. I, I, everything comes together at Mass. So we bring the whole of ourselves. And I'm Ram probably not making any sense to anybody. I'm no, 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 no. You, you are. In fact, it made me think of, uh, you know, people that I've had where I found myself getting annoyed or frustrated or they're just they're just somebody who I cannot connect with if I then 
instead of allowing that person to be that annoyance in my life, if I start praying for them, it turns around my attitude. And then I start wondering, well, I wonder how they're doing with this or that. I start becoming, even if they're not going to be a, a great, you know, lifelong friend, I at least find myself really caring about the person. So those little changes in our attitude and our outlook can have such a big difference in how then we approach day after day, um, our relationships. Our spiritual director, Father Gary Castor, a priest in the uh, Diocese of Peoria, Illinois, and we're talking about the little way of St. Therese and how that can change our lives, how it can transform our lives. How has St. Therese helped you in your life? Uh, How have you learned from her? And how have you put that into practice? How have you lived out the little way? How has it made that difference in your relationships with people in your life. The number to call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can also email innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we're going to get to your phone calls coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. program, you can listen to this show and any of your favorites on the Relevant Radio app or online at RelevantRadio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Gary Castor, and want to say thanks to Nick Schmitz producing The Inner Life today, Jake Moore on the phones helping to screen calls. And uh, Father, let's go to the phone lines, and we'll talk with Greg, who's calling in from Henderson, Nevada. Hi, Greg. How has St. Therese helped you in your spiritual life? Okay, if you'll bear with me, uh, I'm from a family of 12 children. My older sister's name was Teresa, and my mom never referred to, to Therese, Therese of the Little Flower, as Therese. She always called her Teresa of the Little Flower. And I'm, I'm reflecting upon that and listening, and I remember what my mom told all of us as we were being raised, imbued us with the following, saying, say your morning offering every day and every moment of waking in your life, every thought, every word, every act of prayer, every breath you take, everything you do is an act of prayer. She never said, do it because it's a little way, do it because Teresa of the Little Flower is the way she said it, uh, 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 explained it that way, but of all she told me and all she tried to imbue with me in my life, for which I regret for not doing every day in my life, is the first thing in the morning when you awaken, say the morning prayer, offer it all up to God, and every waking moment of your day is an act of prayer. Just wanted to express that for what it's worth, and uh, I'll listen uh, for your comments. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Greg. And and Father, uh, that starting out every single day, that beginning moment, it really does help set the tone for the rest of the day. Yes, I'm so glad that uh, Greg's mother, even though she, whether or not she articulated, uh, you know, the the little way itself, that's that's exactly how, (laughs) Therese would say, that's exactly how simple and easy it is. Again, it's the it's the intentionality. It's the consecrating right at the the beginning. It, you know, for, you know, we we 
so much of our life we, we frame, so many activities of our lives we frame or, you know, we plan ahead or, um, you know, or we psych ourselves up, sporting events, performance, giving a, giving a talk at, at work, doing a presentation. We, we frame it, we psych ourselves up, we plan it. And yet, look how simple it is, just as Greg mentioned and he learned from his mother, look how simple it is to, to frame every single day of our lives, to begin our days reminding ourselves whose we are. You know, we, we are God's children, and, and we have become so through baptism, and God lives in us. The Trinity dwells in us. Imagine just, you know, beginning each day by framing it appropriately, and it doesn't take, it doesn't take, you know, six or seven hours. It doesn't take an hour. It can be as easy as the, the morning offering, whether, whether it's one whose words speak to us or one that we say ourselves. But how important it is to frame, to begin our day by framing it rightly. And then his mother was right. The, throughout the day, every, everything has already been given to God. So so instead of something becoming an annoyance, you say, wait a minute, I, I began my day. I've already given this to God, you know. I, I, I've already given this to God. I've already lifted it to Him, and 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 all of our actions are words, uh, the the things that happen throughout the day. So I'm, I'm glad that Greg mentioned that. I, it's the, the the morning offering, a morning offering is is such an important and significant way to begin one's day to frame it rightly. And uh, since Mother Teresa of Cal- Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta uh, took the name Teresa from the little flower. Mother Teresa began her day with a morning offering, simple morning offering. Good morning, Jesus. Come walk the earth in me. Mm. It can be as simple as that. Uh, I'm also going to give a shameless plug for the relevant radio app because on our app, there's also the morning offering, a uh, different version that's available there, along with so many other prayers, but uh, uh, different things that if, if you'd like to look at some of the basic prayers that we have available there, along with some of the audio prayers, just download that, and it's absolutely free in your mobile device's app store. And if you'd like to join the program today, the phone number, 888-914-9149. And Joseph is listening to us in Sacramento. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Yes, good morning, sir, for taking my call. And uh, I would like to just share in what Father had described earlier, kind of reminded me of what I'm going through in life. Uh, Had no idea that it was pretty similar to uh, uh, St. Teresa Little Flower. Anyway, long story short, sir, Reader's Digest version, I was a medic, a corpsman in the Navy for 20 years. And um, due to a post-traumatic stress uh, event I suffered while on active duty. I'm now unable to work. So going from, you know, that, that very fulfilled life of belonging to an organization, having a mission, being in the guardian of this country, then all of a sudden I'm at home. And yes, for many years I felt useless and hopeless and this and that and the other. But now... Because now, because of that St. Therese uh, way of thinking, the little things, the mundane life that I now live, the quiet, the insignificant, the uh, lack of a better word sometimes, bored, uh, or that um, non-exciting, no more excitement, I'm actually starting to discover God in His presence in these non exciting or, you know, no no big wows and no more missions and 
actually actually just living this quiet, mundane, humdrum life. I'm actually starting to see the value that God is there too. This, uh, this, uh, Joseph, is, it's, you know, this is so beautiful because, you know, this is exactly what the Lord wants all of us to see with respect to our own lives is, is really, is really how beautiful and a value that each of us is. You know, there's, you know, I was telling people yesterday in church that there's not one person here this morning in church who's more important than any other person right here, right now in this church. And and the same is true with, with our lives. If, if if we begin to to give Christ the opening to let us see just how how beautiful He finds our lives, which which maybe we had a you know we had a different perspective on because we were we were judging them or or, or comparing them, and yet if the more we open ourselves to the Lord, it's great that He lets us to see the beauty that is inherent in each and every one of our lives, and how and how significant and important each and every one of our lives is. To him, you know, Saint Augustine said, "God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us." And and I think in in terms of our lives, um, we all need to to be able to see our lives from the perspective of God. Usually, we we only think of that in terms of our failures and our sins, but we need to broaden that. We need we need to see the whole of our lives from the divine perspective. Because guess what? We were worth dying for. I was worth dying for. You were worth dying for from 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 god's perspective so so thank you for sharing that thank you for calling in and sharing that yeah thank you joseph another question it brings to mind father is as joseph's talking about going through this suffering in his life you know just the the change from uh being able to actively work and and now kind of his state in life it also brings to mind where saint paul in the first chapter of the letter to the colossians talks about that I offer up my afflictions, my suffering for Christ on behalf of the church. And does that tie in uh, in a very natural way with the little way of St. Therese being able to offer up those sufferings? Yes. You know, it's something I've been been working on for a long time, and maybe before I die, I'll get it done if God wants me to. Um, But the the, the writings of St. Paul had a tremendous impact on on. St. Therese and her spirituality. You know, St. Saint, Saint Paul has a, the, the beautiful, beautiful line about uh, making up for what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And people say, well, how can we do that? Well, you know, it's not that, that Jesus was imperfect or the Father was imperfect. The, the fact is, is that they didn't, want a, they, didn't want, they didn't want salvation to be a private work undertaken by the Trinity alone. But, but God invites us into... The, the the his action of redemption for the human family we're not pawns you know we get to be participants in this action to redeem humanity to to its to its place the place that God has always wanted it to have which is within the eternal communion of his love and 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 i i think you know that at the heart of the little way is this recognition that that we can we can participate in in the redemptive act of Christ, because he wants us to, he wants us to be co-partners with him. Um, and yes, it's, it's all salvation is a grace that comes as, totally as a gift from God, but, but he allows us to, you know, as kids, the little kids that we are, you know, to, 
to to do our little to do our little things in it. Could he do it perfectly by himself? Absolutely. Does he want to include us in it? Absolutely. And and I think the way they, that that we can is by recognizing the things that are that are difficult or taxing or or, or maybe really spiritually, physically, emotionally burdensome. And we say to the Lord, okay, this is. This this is how I'm going to act with you and your redemptive work of salvation by by giving giving this to you by by offering to you this this physical difficulty this emotional difficulty this spiritual difficulty you know, dryness or aridity or lack of consolation here Lord I'm 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 going to embrace this as part of my work participating with your your work of salvation. Our spiritual director today, Father Gary Castor, a priest in the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois. And Father, we're down here to about our last 30 seconds. And so before we wind up, can I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners today? Sure. May the Lord be with you all. And may Almighty God bless you, your loved ones, and all those you serve, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Gary Castor, thank you so much. Again, if you're interested in his book, The Little Way of Lent, Meditations in the Spirit of St. Therese of Lisieux, please pick that up. You can also read The Story of a Soul. That's the spiritual autobiography of St. Therese. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. Stay tuned. We've got The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass coming up next. Father Edward Looney is our celebrant today. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your Monday. And make sure you pray the rosary. That's important. Make sure you pray the rosary today. Make it a great one.